The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Uh, how many of you, are we got any first time dads out there? This is your first Father's Day as a dad. Anybody out there? Let me see your hands. Yeah, we got a couple over here. There we go. Back over here, there we go. Change any diapers lately? Somebody told me the word uh, diaper spelled backwards uh, looks like this. There you go. Repaid. Yep, there you go. Um, So let me remind you, we're going to honor dads at the end of the service, but uh, it's a hard day for some. We have uh, folks here who uh, dads passed away this year. We have some dads whose children passed away this year. Uh, We have folks that grew up with really difficult dads. Uh, and we have some men who have not been able to be dads and they desire to do that. So uh, remember them this day as well. And we had books out there. I'm not sure if they're all gone or not. Rob Otto attended TBC a number of years ago, West Point graduate station at Fort Hood. Uh, he's a PhD counselor in Florida. He wrote a book, Rise Up for Dads Who Want to Lead Boldly. We had 400 of those out there. If there are any left, they're free. Just pick one up and uh, dads lead the charge. So. Um, who's got, I, I've got this one to give away. So let me find the dad with the youngest child. How's that? So we got dads out there. If you are a dad and you've got a child a year or under, would you stand up? Anybody out there? Year or under, would you stand up? There we go. Uh, six months or under, would you keep standing? Six months or under? Okay. Uh, three months or under, you got one, three months or younger than that? Okay. Where are we? What do we get? How old is that baby? How, how old is this one? Two and a half months. What about back there? One month? Brandon's got one in utero, but we're not going to count that one, okay? So uh, come on up here. I'm going to throw this book back there, and uh, you're going to run it to him for me. There we go, bro. And you guys meet halfway, and it's your book to have. There we go. Super. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for being our father. And uh, I pray for these first-time dads. I pray for folks that have difficult dads. I pray for dads who had children pass away. I pray for many who've had dads pass away this year. Pray for those not able to be dads on a difficult day for them. So God, as we look at Proverbs once again, we pray that we would become dads of impact in Christ's name. Amen. So if you look on the outline uh, you received in the bulletin you got this morning when you came in, since this is impact week, I thought it might be quite appropriate to spell out an acrostic on how to be a dad of impact. But let me begin this way. Our entire series, uh, the main verse for that is Proverbs 1.9, which says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so uh, before I give you the six points that spell out impact and acrostic, what I really want to do is talk to you about Jesus. I want to talk to you about the Savior who gave his life on your behalf. Because really, I'm just going to give you principles otherwise, and you'll be trying to do these principles out of the power of your flesh. But the reality, it's a transformed heart that produces changed behavior. So up front, I want you to hear the truth of the gospel. The gospel is that we are sinners who need a savior. Jesus was that savior who came and gave his life for us. And you can have eternal life and eternal hope if you place your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins. So my prayer is some of you as dads, you're here today and you've got kids praying for you you got a wife praying for you, you got a family praying for you, that you would trust Christ as your Savior. And so let me just start by offering you the hope of salvation this morning to let you know that Jesus came and died for you, that you can have life in him. 
So if you haven't done that, I pray this morning, you would think about that throughout this whole message and you would recognize who he is and what he's done for you. Amen? So that's the beginning. If you know Christ as Savior, let me give you some uh, six things to become a dad of impact. And we start with this transformed heart. I was reading a blog that uh, someone sent to me. Actually, I get it uh, sent to me via email every single week by a guy named uh, Drew Dyke. And it's, it's really a good blog. It's on church humor, actually. So I get a good laugh every week when it comes out. He said, this week I did something foolish, something I've done before, something I told myself I would never do again because I knew I shouldn't. I went on vacation with three young children, ages five and under. <laughs> Been there, done that, any of you? He said, uh, we, we went on this vacation and it was rather short, but it was long enough to discover that driving more than five minutes in a car unleashes a chorus of complaints in the back seat. We're the five minutes into this journey and one of my kids asked the question, are we there yet? We all have the same kids, right? And he says, I don't know what it is about riding the car, but we get five minutes outside of town and one of my kids always pipes up, daddy, I gotta go. And then he said, another five minutes into it, one of my kids who we've just fed a humongous breakfast to says, Daddy, I'm hungry. We all have the same kids, every one of us, you see that. Dad, I gotta go, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, are we there yet? And he said, uh, then then civil war broke out between my five-year-old and my three-year-old. It continued for most of the afternoon. And then at the end of the day, I looked at my wife and I pointed to them and said, why did we bring them along with us? I said, I know the answer. He said, it's memories, family time, bonding, being good parents, you know, all the good, important stuff. Then I had a flash of realization. The the kind of how it works with God realization in me. See, he didn't need me. He could accomplish his whole mission by himself. It would certainly be less complicated if he didn't bring me along. But he invites me on this trip and this journey with him anyway. Much like I do with my kids. After I had that thought, I felt a little guilty when one of them from the back seat said I'm bored after I just spent thousands of dollars on a family vacation. (laughs) Can you relate to that at all? I mean, he's right. It would be less complicated, but we have a heavenly father who's invited us on this journey as well. And because of that, we can look to him as the ultimate father and we can learn from him as well. How do we become a dad of impact? A dad of impact, let's spell it out. First of all, a dad of impact intercedes for his children. That's the I. He intercedes for his children. In Proverbs 15, eight, it says, a sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. God delights when you pray. God delights when you pray. He wants to hear your prayers. He wants to respond to your prayers. That's his desire. Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. One of the greatest things we can do as dads or even as grandparents, granddads, is to intercede and pray for our kids. There's a story in John chapter four in John's gospel. It's a story of a father who intercedes for his son. It says in John chapter four, verse 46, Jesus came again to Cain of Galilee where he turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. And so if you've got the scenario, the the word royal official literally translated king's men. There's one of the king's men. He's a man of prestige, he's a man of importance, he's a man of status, he has it all. He's got a three chariot villa on the Mediterranean, if you will. 
I mean, he has it all. He's reached the top of, of his profession. He is one of Herod's men. He, he's accomplished. He gets what he wants. People come and they request of him. He's not used to going to request of others. It's 25 miles from Cana to Capernaum. When he hears that Jesus is at Cana, he has a son who is sick. In fact, it says, uh, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was requesting. By the way, the word was requesting is perfect tense, which means he's doing it over and over and over again. He is begging Jesus to do something. And he came down, he is requesting him to come and heal his son. Come with me to heal my son. For he was at the point of death. His son is dying. This man's life is filled with agony. It's filled with hurt. It's filled with pain. You would do anything for your son or daughter, your grandson or granddaughter who's on death's door. And this man is not used to going to someone and asking for help, but he does. And he goes to Jesus. Jesus' response is quite interesting. It's almost one that we scratch our heads and say, What? Jesus therefore said to him, so he comes to Jesus and he's requesting him to come and heal his son. Jesus says to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. You see, Jesus was tired of being the sideshow. Jesus was tired of hearing, it's like a carnival barker, step right up, step right up and see the miracle worker. And that's not what Jesus wanted to be known for. He wanted to be known as the Messiah. He'll be known as the son of God, as the king who came to, to bring his kingdom to earth. And, and now he's got all these folks coming to him for miracles. And he looks at him and he rebukes him actually and says, you're not going to believe unless you see a sign. And then Jesus says, uh, the royal official says to me, and sir, please come down before my child dies. He's begging Jesus, you've got to come with me. If you don't come, my son dies. Jesus, please come with me. And then Jesus does something quite amazing. He says to him, Go your way, your son lives. And if I was that guy, I would say, uh, excuse me? Go home? You, you want me to go and you're not going to come? You're the miracle worker. I'm not, I, I'm not the miracle worker. You, you, you want me to come and, and leave you behind? Jesus, I, I'm begging you to come and heal my son. You can see the tears flooding the man's face. And the other man has a decision to make. Do you trust Jesus and go home or you keep begging? And it's interesting, this more than likely Gentile royal official, it says the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went back. And he was going down, the slaves met him and said, your son's living. So he inquired of them the hour when his son got better. He said, it was yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew it was at that very hour that Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his entire household. So an amazing thing happens. This miracle takes place and his son who's on death's door receives life. And he, he comes to Jesus requesting, he exercises faith and he responds and Jesus blesses him and the entire household comes to faith. I don't want you to miss the point here. It's a great story. But the point this Father's Day is, this was a man who interceded for his son. He's a man that went to God's throne and went to Jesus himself, the very son of God, and he begged for him to do a work. He interceded for his son. One of the greatest things that we can do for our sons and daughters is to intercede for them to pray for them, to, to, to come before God's throne and to, and, and, to, and to pray for them. One author said this, you'll never be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. Don't you love that statement? It's Martin Batterson. 
You will never be a perfect parent. We were not perfect parents. We could bring my kids up. My kids probably need to be in counseling for the rest of their life. They grew up with me. Imagine that. I mean, the most obsessive, compulsive guy in the room. They could come here and tell you how all the foibles we had. But we were praying parents. It's prayer, Battison writes, that turns ordinary parents into people who help shape the destiny of their children. You praying, Mom? Praying, Dad? Do you come before God's throne and intercede for them regularly? Do you name them by name before the Savior? One of the greatest things we can do as dads is to intercede for our family. To be on our knees and begging God to do a work in the lives of our kids and the life of our spouse. To pray for them, to pray over them, and to pray with them. To pray for them, to pray over them, and to pray with them. When our kids were little, one of the greatest times was tucking them in at night. Man, getting to pray with them when they're little and just asking God's blessing over their lives. And then when they get older, you know, they begin to wrestle with issues that teens had. And I didn't want to wake them up, so I'd just go stand outside of their door and intercede for them. Place my hand on the doorpost of their bedrooms and just pray that God would do something in their lives, whatever it is they're wrestling with. And to come before the God of heaven and intercede. And we love missions. I mean, missions is... We're here to fulfill the Great Commission and take the gospel everywhere. So somebody told us about a book called Operation World, and uh, now they've got an app. Go ahead and pull your phones out. Take a picture of it. Take a picture of that. And uh, you get permission to use your phones in church right now, so it's a big day, okay? Some of you are on Facebook anyway, so it doesn't matter. I mean. But uh, you can download Operation World, and it's a great thing. We would pull the globe out at the breakfast table, and uh, we'd say, okay, sir, it's your turn to find Bulgaria, and we'd look for it on the, on the globe, and then there's a little section to pray for the things that need to be prayed for in Bulgaria. And it gave us all a heart for missions and what God was doing in the world among the nations. And we were not perfect parents, but we were praying parents. We, we, we screwed up so many ways, but we did intercede over and over and over with and for our kids. So you pray with them, you pray over them, and you pray for them. And by the way, they mimic you when they hear you pray. You know that. I mean, they mimic you. Martha says, my five-year-old son and I were headed to McDonald's one day. We were going to have breakfast together. And uh, when we started to get close to McDonald's, we saw that there was a wreck in front of us. It, usually when we see ambulances or uh, our police cars, we begin to pray that no one would be hurt. So I pointed and said, we should pray. My son said, I'll pray. I, I was so proud. Here's my five-year-old son wanting to pray. So he said, please God, don't let those cars block the entrance to McDonald's today. <laughs> I mean, you just got to love it, Right. I love the story of grandpa. We have a high privilege. You know, our grandkids live in College Station in Houston. And so we don't have them with us every day. But you know, God hears our prayers from Temple for kids in College Station in Houston. And so we can intercede as grandparents over and over and over for them. I love the story of the, the little girl who was sitting on grandpa's lap and he had just told her a good night story. They just prayed together. And then she reached up and she smoothed her hand across her, or, or wiped her hand across his face. And then she did her face, and then she did Grandpa's face, and then she did her face, and said, Grandpa, did, did God make you? He said, oh, yes, sweetie, God made me a long time ago. And she felt his face, and then she felt her face, and said, did God make me too? He said, oh, yes, sweetie, God made you just a little while ago. She was quiet for a moment, and she said, he sure is getting a lot better, isn't he, Grandpa? <laughs> 
See, you never know what those kids are thinking when you have them, but you can do this. You can be a husband, a wife, a mom or a dad who intercedes for your kids. You can be a praying dad. You can be a praying parent. The best time to start is right now. Right now. I, I use phone alerts all the time on my phone. You ask me to pray for you. If you ask me in person, we're going to pray there. You ask me on the phone, we're going to pray there. If you tell me you've got surgery coming up or this big event coming up, I'm putting my phone, putting an alert on it. And so I, I've learned how to use alerts on my phone. Believe it or not, my kids think I can't operate anything with technology, which is close to being true. But the reality of it is you can set alerts and pray for your kids at certain times of the day, your grandkids at certain times of the day. You can be a praying parent. You'll never be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. Not only do we intercede for it. By the way, here's what I want to do. Let's stop for a moment. If you've got sons or daughters, grandsons or granddaughters, or if you don't, you've got parents, I want to take a moment and just pray. I want you to go to God's throne and name your kids and grandkids by name right now. So I'm going to be quiet for a moment and I'm going to have all of us pray. You pray for your sons, your daughters, your grandsons, granddaughters. If you don't, you pray for your parents. dad of impact intercedes for his children. He models Christ to his children. He models Christ to his children. In Proverbs 17, 1, it says, better is a dry marshal and literally it's the word shalom and quietness and shalom with it than a house full of feasting with strife. I love that proverb. He says, it's better not to have much stuff, better to have a dry marshal. You don't even have fresh bread in the house. It's better to have a dry marshal and shalom than it is to have a house filled with all kinds of stuff and fill the strife. Dad, do we bring shalom into our house? Do we bring peace into our house? Is our house a haven for our sons, our daughters, our wives? Is it a place that they long to be? Do your kids wonder who's coming home at the end of the day, mad dad or glad dad? Funny dad or grumpy dad? What is it that we are modeling? If our house is a house of peace, then it's a haven for them. If we're modeling complaining and judging and anger and throwing things around, it's a place of strife for them. And so is our home a home of shalom? Are we modeling that? Are we at peace within ourselves because of who Christ is in our lives and we bring peace into our house as we go? Or is your home filled with strife because your heart is filled with strife? Here's another scripture. By wisdom, a house is built by understanding it's established. We say that we've seen a definition of wisdom in Proverbs as the application of biblical knowledge to life's events, to, to the affairs of life every day. And so he says, when we take the biblical knowledge we have and we apply it, that's how we build a home. It's not bricks and mortar, but it's a changed heart by understanding, by knowledge it's established. We know the scriptures, we apply the scriptures, becomes everything we are and everything we have. And so what we're saying here is a dad of impact is a dad who models Christ as children. He, he lives his life with wisdom. He has biblical understanding and knowledge and he applies it. A man of impact not only tells the way, but he shows the way. He models the way. That's what we're talking about. The M is models the way. He models Christ before his family. I admire many of you in this room. Many of you men do a tremendous job of balancing the demands of family, a consuming profession, marriage, ministry. You've invested in your family well. You are a blessed man and you are pouring into that family. You balance, you've got all these plates spinning and by God's grace, you're able to keep them moving. And I, I admire the work that you're doing because there's nothing more confusing to a kid than a parent who says one thing and lives another way. Nothing more confusing. 
They, they, they say, this is the way you should go, and then they don't go that way themselves. But when we speak the truth and when we go that way, when we model those things and we live that way, it's a tremendous blessing. It's Jim Dobson who said, a Christ-like example is the greatest gift you can leave to the next generation. A Christ-like example. So if you have a dad or a father, or a dad or a father of your children who's with you today, and they exemplify Christ-likeness and you're blessed, and I'm gonna have you lean over and just, or if you need to stand up, they're here with you. Either your dad or the dad of your children, this is a good time for you to lean over and give them a hug and thank God for him. So you need to stand up and do it, you do that. You got a dad here, you go ahead and do that right now. You thank God for them. I even get a kiss today, I like this. There you go, babe. I did pat her on a fanny in front of God and the whole world. I like what one author said. He said, I've learned you can't expect your children to listen to your advice and ignore your example. Can't expect your children to listen to your advice and ignore your example. Guys, I appreciate so many of you who walk the way that Christ has designed you to walk. And what a blessing you are to me as I watch you live your life for Jesus before this body. So a dad of impact intercedes for his kids, models Christ as kids. He's pure for his children. Look at Proverbs chapter five for one second. Too many verses to put up on the screen. You've got your devices, got your Bibles, pop them open. Proverbs chapter five. It's a dad teaching his son about sexual purity. It's a dad teaching his son about sexual purity. And he says in Proverbs 5.15, drink water from your own cistern, son. Drink fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, should streams of water be in the street, <clears throat> let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and be exhilarated with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? He says, son, let me give you some advice. Let, let me teach you something. Son, you need to be sexually pure to the woman that God gives you. You, you need to make sure that she is the only woman for your eyes. You need to make sure that you follow after Christ and do what he's asked you to do. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, abstain from sexual immorality. But what part of that verse do you not understand? It's pretty clear, isn't it? Abstain from sexual immorality. He's saying, live a life of purity. And you say, why, Pastor Gary? Don't you know this is the, the, the 21st century? We, we, we don't have to do that. And I'm saying it's because what Christ has called us to do as men and women. In Job 31.1, it says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. What a great covenant every man in this room ought to make. Make a covenant with my eyes not to look upon any woman lustfully, period. But the bride that God has given you, enjoy her. Bev and I have the privilege of speaking at uh, Pine Cove every year, family camp, and we get to bring one of our families with us. Our daughter and son-in-law have found a week where they go with their friends, and so we take our son and his family with us. And as only God could arrange it, Pine Cove did, they assigned us the same week that our daughter's there, so we're gonna have both those families and all of our grandkids at Pine Cove for a week, the last week in July. It's gonna be a great time. The topic they assigned to us this year is marriage and family. They ask you to do a talk on sexuality. Our adult kids hate it when we do that. Because invariably, it's going to come out and say, you know, 
I mean, I'm 64 years old and I'm cancer ridden, but God still gives me a heart's desire to be with that woman and everything still works and it is the greatest gift in the world. <laughs> and my kids are going, ah. And I tell them, hey, if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't be here. It's a great gift that God's given us. And what, 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 what Proverbs is saying is enjoy the woman that God has given you in marriage. Man, what great advice from a dad to a son. And by the way, son, why should you disperse your streams abroad? Why should you fall into the arms of an adulteress? Why should you hang out in the bosom of a woman you're not married to? I mean, one of the greatest things we can do is to be able to speak to our kids and say, hey, my prayer is that you will walk the path of faithfulness as dad has, by God's grace, by God's grace. And uh, it's a great gift. It's a great gift for generations to come. And my prayer is that you will, you will be, you'll live radically pure lives in an age of radical impurity. What does purity look like? It's being faithful to your wife. It's not looking at porn. It's talking to your children about the good the goodness of sexuality that God has given us. Howard Hendricks in Dallas Seminary, when I took a class on family, about 10 times in that class, he said, men, the greatest gift you can give to your children is to love your wife. And he's right. It's a great gift. It gives them a sense of security. It gives them a sense of being. And it allows them, it makes them think about, this is the type of relationship I want with my future spouse as well. And so my prayer is that you will be found faithful in this area. A dad of impact intercedes for his family, models Christ to his family. It's pure for his children. He affirms his children. He affirms his children. I, I love Proverbs 17, 6. It says, grandchildren are the crown of old men, and the glory of sons is their fathers. So grandchildren are the crown of old men. And they are, aren't they? Grandkids are a ball. If we'd have known how much fun they were, we'd have started with them and not with our kids. <laughs> I mean, I just love it. You, you, spoil, you love them, you spoil them, you send them home and let the parents deal with it after that. It's just a great deal, isn't it, grandparents? And so, I, I mean, we actually love spending time with them and take, any, take advantage of any time we can get with them. And we get along. You know why grandparents and grandkids get along so well? We have a common enemy. <laughs> yeah, the parents. And, and so it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a great deal. It's a great gift that God gives you. And if you're a grandparent here, I pray that you're investing in that generation. But I want you to look at the second line of that couplet. The glory of sons is their fathers. Are you a father whose sons and daughter take glory in? Are you a dad that your son says, man, that is a man I want to be like? Your daughter says, my dad is a special man. And... Uh, what a blessing it is to be a dad who has sons and daughters that say, I am so proud of my dad. To be his son, to be his daughter is a high privilege. That's what that's saying. And so when we look at that, it's a great opportunity. I think of how affirming those verses are. And I pray that we will be those who cheer. We've got adult kids. Our job is to be their greatest cheerleaders. My dad did a great job of that with us. Man, he, they would leave and they would say, you know, you guys are doing a great job raising your kids. And so we do the same thing with our kids. Words of encouragement that go so far. And you know how important it is to speak those words of truth and life into your sons and daughters. It doesn't matter if they're five years old or if they're 55 years old. 
but to speak those words of encouragement, affirmation to their lives. Paul says, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and pouring each of you as a father does his own children. It would be encouraged to them, and I pray that you're encouraged to the next generation. I ran across this video this past week. It's called uh, Dad's Letters, and uh, you'll see in the video, it asks these dads to write letters to their daughters when they're gonna become 18, and their daughters are young, so watch this video. Come on in, take a seat. Why don't you grab a pen and paper? Sure. Okay. And what I'm gonna have you do is write a letter to your son that you're gonna give to him when he turns 18. I want you to write a letter to your daughter. Okay. For when she turns 18. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Oh. <laughs> Son's only four years old, so this will be interesting. Dear Olivia. Dear Mason, you won't read this letter for six years, and a lot could change between now and then. Hopefully, you've learned by now that it's important to put on clothes before you go outside. Maybe you've learned that vegetables are your friends. I sincerely hope that all of the dabbing has finally stopped. And also that it's pronounced mac and cheese, not monkey cheese, mac and cheese. You dream of becoming a famous singer, so thank you in advance for all the free concert tickets. Is this still your goal to be a professional YouTuber? I know you were hoping to become a giraffe when you grew up, but hopefully you have some even better career options now. It hasn't always been easy. I sat on a piece of gum you left on a chair yesterday and didn't find out until after work. The dishes really do go in the dishwasher. It's not like a metaphor or something. Remember when you cut your own hair and then you tried to fix it? Basically, I didn't sleep for three years straight. But I can tell you this. Despite all the struggles, all the tears, it was completely worth it. And I would do it again a hundred times over for you. You are a gift and a blessing. You've changed my life. You are beautiful and strong. You have so much energy in life, and I can already see how incredibly smart and fearless you are. More than anything, I want you to know that I love you. I'm here for you. Whatever you need, you have made me so proud. And I am excited to see how God uses your life. You're ready to take on the world. my heart. Love always dead. Dead. Dad. How do you think those little girls felt when they would read that letter one day? Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Hey, if you're a dad and you've got kids with you today, it'd be a great time to flip this. Why don't you give them a hug and thank God for them or thank them for being your son or daughter. You need to stand up, go and do it. Great time to do it, dads. All right. Yeah, 
So a dad of impact is a dad who intercedes for his kids, models Christ, is pure for them, affirms them, and corrects them. Correction has to do with discipline. We still discipline kids. That's what we're to be about. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. He who withholds the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. You know, there, there's, there are all kinds of ways of discipline. There's time out. I don't know when that was invented. We didn't have that when I was a kid. But uh, sometimes kids get time out, taking away device time, taking away screen time, uh, sparing the rod. What, whatever it is, we recognize as parents, don't just be friends to your kids, but be parents to your kids. I'm not talking about abuse here, but I'm talking about correcting the way they need to be corrected. Then my favorite verse on discipline uh, I remind my grandkids of this verse all the time. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. So I go like this to my grandkids. I pluck it out and say, this is what happened to Papa though, right here. You see what happened? You disobey your parents and some come pluck your eye out. The ravens do and some eagle ate it. And so Papa Doe doesn't have an eye anymore. So you better behave if you're with me. I don't do that. I don't do that. It's a great verse. Finally, uh, we teach our children. We teach our children. Uh, over and over in Proverbs, it talks about a dad who teaches his kids. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. Hear, son's instruction of a father. Give attention that you may gain understanding. My son, observe the commandment of your father. I could do 16 verses that talk about a father's instruction to his sons out of Proverbs. Then let me remind you, the greatest teaching we do is modeling. That doesn't mean we don't pull out the scripture and teach. In our family, I've told you before, we, we had a family night once a week. I'd rather have one good night than seven bad nights. And so we did devotions together then. We prayed in the morning with the Operation World Book and stuff, but it, we had to learn what was right for our family at that time. So my prayer is that you become a dad of impact, not a dad of impression. Not that it's easy to make an impression. We want to do the make more than make an impression. We'll make an impact for generations. We'll close with this final video. Dad, do you love mom? I do. How much? Gobs and gobs. Dad, mm -hmm. do you love my brother? Connor? <laughs> I do. How much? Gobs and gobs. Dad, mm -hmm. do you love God? Yeah. How much? Gobs and gobs. Dad, uh -huh. do you love me? Hmm. Dad. <laughs> I do. How much? Um. I already know. Gobs and, and gobs. Dad, mm -hmm. how much is a gob? Hmm. Well, let me put it like this. Your favorite color is yellow. And when you eat those Nutter Butter cookies, you always scrape the peanut butter out of the middle and you secretly feed it to the dog because you think the dog deserves a treat too. At nighttime, I know before you go to bed, you always pull your Barbies all together because you don't want them to be lonely. And sometimes when you get a little nervous, you bat your eyes like this. They get really, really, really fast. But when you're happy and when you're excited, 
you always twirl your hair right beside your ear and you love your mama's red earrings and you always seem to eat your green beans one at a time. <laughs> you see, my love, I notice you and I love being your daddy and I will always be here for you even on your best days, maybe on your worst days, your daddy loves you and will always be here for you. And that, my dear, that's what a gob is. I gob you too, daddy. <laughs> hey, if you're a dad, would you stand up? All the dads out there, would you stand up? Let's thank these men right here. Look at that. Look at all the men here. Wow. A lot of men in this body, and we are grateful for you. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for all these men that are standing. If one of them is next to you, let's all stand together. Just place your hands on their shoulders or next to them, and I want to pray for these men. Father, what a privilege to be with these men, to see the work that you've done in their lives. What a great example they are to me. Father, it's a high privilege to be part of this flock, a high privilege to be part of the shepherding process in their lives. God, I admire so many of them. I'm grateful for them. I pray blessing over them. I pray that you will help them to be men of impact, to intercede for their kids, model Christ to their kids. They're pure for their family. They affirm their kids. They correct them and they teach them. Father, I pray blessing over them. I pray that you'd strengthen and encourage them each day. I pray for any that don't know Jesus yet. I pray for a transformed heart that will produce a changed life. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Bless you.